Aren't you glad for him? I want you to take a look for a second and look around you. You say, why would you want me to do that? I want you to see all these empty seats. You remember what this looked like last week? Over 550 people in here last week. So I I want you to think about those seats as you watch this. Go ahead. Looks like we're all patched up out here. Wait, there you go. Beginning to approach airlock doors now. Over. Copy that. Look good up there, Dave. By the way, with you coming back planet side tomorrow, I was wondering if you might want to join me Sunday for church. What do you say? Uh, Houston, I'll have to get back to you on that. I'm reading a low oxygen level on my suit. Are you reading that as well, over? Uh-huh. Over. Uh, Houston, any recommendations? Affirmative. But, uh, I'd sure like to get an answer on that church invite. Over. I've reached the airlock. Release the hatch. I'm sorry. I'm afraid I can't do that, Dave. Just release the hatch, Toby! My sensor is... Breathe on me, Holy Spirit, breathe on me. All right, all right, I'll go to church with you. Just relate the hatch. Over. Affirmative. Hatch airlock open. Hey, uh, by the way, I'll pick you up around 8, and uh, we'll grab donuts on the way. So all it takes is one. Say that with me. All it takes is one. This is what I want you to think about. All it takes is you inviting one person. All it takes is you following that through and making sure that you don't let up on that one person until they say, Do you want to breathe again? <laughs> and so be consistent. Keep it in mind. I, a lot of things, that, that, that's kind of comical, but a lot of things that we don't realize is this, is that your invitation may be the reason that somebody spends eternity in heaven. And that's huge. There, in, in society today and culture today, we have become so separated from spiritual things to the point that uh, it's almost like if, if you're a Christian, that's a strike against you. And I hope that you don't let culture trump your relationship with God. I hope that your mind is made up enough to realize that the most important thing I'm ever going to do in this life is to find a relationship with the one that can get me beyond this life into life eternal with him. And that's huge. I, sometimes we forget that hell's a real place. You know, that Jesus speaks of hell far more than he does of heaven. And hell is a real place. And there's no one that I know that I want to see go there. Amen. 
And if there's anyone that you want to see go there, you need to get prayed through. (laughs) Because hell was prepared for the devil and his angels. It wasn't prepared for us. So I'm excited about seeing each one of us reach one and watch this auditorium fill up before Easter. Amen? Come on, let's give Jesus a hand clap of praise. If you have your Bibles, I want you to go with me to Hebrews, the fourth chapter, and I'm going to start reading from verse 14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest, everybody say a great high priest, who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. Everybody say, hold on to what you believe. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word because it's life to us. We ask you, God, to have your way today. Lord, and to give us what we have need of, not only to be able to navigate this journey, but to be able to take someone with us as we go. We give you praise for that in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to speak to you for just a little while this morning on navigating the storm. Would you say that with me? Navigating the storm. The song that Kathy sang with the praise team just a moment ago, Tis So Sweet to trust in Jesus, just to take him at his word. Think about what that means. It says, give me the rest of that verse. Just to rest in his, upon his promise, just to know thus saith the Lord. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him, how I trust him o'er and o'er. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust him more. Those words, you ever wonder where those words came from? That song's a result of a lady that was married. They had a uh, daughter, and she and her husband and the daughter went on a picnic one afternoon, and it was such a beautiful day, and they were enjoying their time with one another and, and, and just relaxed when all of a sudden they heard cries for help. The husband jumped up and he went running toward the cry and there was a young boy that was in, I believe it was a river that they were picnicking by and that boy was in the middle of that water and the man jumped in to rescue him and as he got to the boy, the boy began to fight the man and they both drowned The mother and her daughter were left destitute. It wasn't long until they couldn't afford food. They they found themselves in a situation, in a predicament that they did not understand. And it seemed like the walls were closing in on them. and, And all of a sudden, help came from some source that they didn't know of and she began to pen the words to these songs. It ended up her 
her life story was that she took faith, became a missionary to Africa, took her daughter with her there, and that's where they served for the rest of their life, sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that ministry was born out of tragedy. I have a question for you in here today. How many of you have ever had to navigate a storm? Wave your hand if you've ever navigated a storm. Yesterday, did anybody notice how strong the winds were yesterday? Yesterday, I I needed to get out of the office, and I thought, well, I'm just going to walk around the parking lot, and I promise you, I came around that corner there just past the coffee shop, and all of a sudden, I was walking, and I thought, are you kidding me? I mean, that wind was blowing so hard that I was having to use force to move forward, Sometimes when you're in a storm, it's not easy to move. You have to will yourself to move. You have to make yourself move. A friend of mine, his name's Tim Reedy, drove for Walmart for years, and he told me about getting caught in a storm. He said that he was in a, I believe he was Indiana when it, when it hit, and he said he, w- he was parked in a parking lot, and all of a sudden he felt that he, he, he saw this cloud moving over, and he thought, man, what is going on? And he'd gotten out of the truck, and he got in front of the truck where the grill was, and he told me, he said, Rick, he said, that wind pressed me against the, wheel, or the grill of that semi. He said, I couldn't move. He said, I was pinned against that truck grill, he said, I looked up and realized, man, there's a tornado over the, that was coming in over the top of him. He pried himself off the grill of that truck, got around, got in the cab, and he said that there was just a crack in the cab or in the, the window of that truck, and he said it sucked the curtains from where his sleeping uh, part of that was, took those curtains and sucked them clean out of that truck. He said, I laid there praying. That truck was rocking back and forth. He said, and that funnel was right over the top of me. Navigating storms sometimes can be not only dangerous, but it can be terrifying. Traveling through Corning, Arkansas, a storm hit. I was looking at these clouds, and I thought, and I was telling Debbie, I said, look at these clouds, man. And they, they, were, they were so ominous looking, and it looked like they could spin out a tornado any time. And I'm going down the road, and all of a sudden, I see this police officer pulled off on the side of the road. He's got his lights on, and I'm slowing down, and he's going, get out of here. Get out. And I'm thinking, what is wrong with this guy? And I looked across to my right in a field and there's a tornado coming across the field. This is the first time in my life I'd ever, I'd seen a tornado before, but never up close and personal like that. That thing was coming across the field. I'm driving like this. I see that tornado coming and I start praying, God, you got to help us. And all of a sudden I watched that tornado spin like that and it just, and was gone. I started praising God. God can help you navigate your storm. The scripture said you need to understand something about this high priest of ours. That he knows what you're feeling. That he's been tempted the same way you were. 
But he managed to navigate the storm without sin. How many of you have ever been cut off in traffic? You turned around and you looked at the person that cut you off and you said, may the Lord bless and keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you. Now, sometimes that's not what we're saying, is it? Because storms can do two things. Storms can bring out the worst in you, and storms can bring out the best in you. You just have to make a determination how you navigate the storm. I started looking at storms that happened when Jesus walked the earth, storms, literal storms that disciples got caught in, and there were a couple of things I noticed. The first thing I noticed is that there was a time when a storm came and he went walking to them in the storm, and the other time he was sailing with them through the storm. But no matter what the storm, he showed up. Doesn't matter what you're going through. Doesn't matter what you're facing. He will show up. In the the 14th chapter of Matthew, when there's a storm that's getting ready to break out on the horizon, if you look at that context of that chapter, you discover that Jesus was going through a storm of his own in the midst of that. His cousin had had his head cut off. John the Baptist, they went and told Jesus about that, and as soon as Jesus heard about it, the Bible said that he, he, he went off to a place by himself. How many times have you ever felt like you just needed to get alone a minute? You needed to be able to separate yourself so you could get alone with God. And you needed to be able to talk to God because, friend, if you're not careful and you're trying to navigate relationship in the middle of your storm without him, you can damage the relationship. If you're trying to make your way through a storm without turning to him, you can end up hurting yourself and damaging your life. So you've got to trust him. He tried to separate himself, and then as he tried to separate himself, people gathered to where he was at, and so he didn't have the alone time he needed and or, or that he wanted, let me say it like that. And, and he ended up, because when he saw them, he had compassion on them. How many of you, when you're going through a storm, just don't want anybody around you? You don't have, I mean, honestly, wave your hand if that's true. Just hold your hand up. If not, I'll be at your house. What are you, what are you getting at? Sometimes you just want, just, uh. Jesus didn't have that option. People came to him because they recognized what he could do for them. Wow. Do you ever feel like somebody was using you, Sam? I called Sam up one day, and I said, Sam, I said, I need you to come out. He, he plowed the, the, the parking lot out here, and I, I said, now, I, I don't know, uh, you know, what, you know, just let me know what we owe you for that. And he said, well, I, I don't charge you for that. And I said, well, I don't want you to, you know, just do that for nothing. And he said, I, I said, I hate to ask you to do that for nothing. He said, why? He said, you're always asking me for other stuff. 
<laughs> oh, man, he nailed me. And so what, what are you saying? I'm saying that you don't want to feel, that's why I gave you a card today. <laughs> you, you, don't, you don't want to feel like you're being taken advantage of, do you? Do you? I mean, has anybody ever felt like you were taken advantage of? And that's not a good feeling, is it? But hear me. Jesus walks differently than we walk. Because when he separated himself in that storm and he wanted to be alone, the multitude went after him. And when he went, when they went after him, he did not see them and say, man, what are they doing here? I can't believe the Bible said that he had compassion on them. Why? Because these were people that recognized I cannot heal myself. I can't make myself better. How many of us have ever needed to go to him because we could not make ourselves better? And he doesn't reject us. He doesn't push us away, but he has compassion on us and he heals us and the disciples came to him and he said send them away man the days far spent send them away so they can go get something to eat he said no you feed them what's he saying he's saying i'm not going to let them go away hungry i remember years ago everybody's dead in my family almost i mean not my immediately family but the Thank you, extended family. So I'm not going to give names. I'm just going to tell you a situation that happened. We were invited to a uncle's house for dinner. That's my dad, my mom, and there were five hungry kids. Everybody say hungry kids. So we get there, and we sat there, and we sat there, and we sat there. And no dinner ever showed up on the table. There wasn't even the mention of dinner. You know how kids are. Dad, I'm hungry. Shh. I'm hungry. Dad, shh. So after about a two-hour visit with no food showing up, we all got up and left and went to the nearest McDonald's. And it was such a disappointment because what was promised was not delivered. If we're not careful in the storm, we put our eyes on people instead of on God. But God said that all his promises are yea and amen. What's he saying? He's saying, you're not going to have to worry about me going back on my word. My word is a sure foundation, and I will deliver to you what I promised you if you'll just trust me. After they feed that multitude of people with five loaves and two fish, because if you're looking for the provision, you'll always be looking. But if you're looking to God, provision has a way of just showing up. And so five loaves and two fish ended up being enough to feed over 5,000, and they took up 12 baskets full of fragments. Leftovers are wonderful. I can tell you the truth. I like spaghetti the next day better than I do the first day. Amen. Debbie makes wonderful spaghetti, and I, I love it. But her second, her leftover spaghetti is better than her first serving. 
because her leftovers, she takes it and she takes a big skillet and she'll put some olive oil in that skillet and she'll throw that spaghetti in that skillet and she'll fry it. And how many of you know that anything fried is good? <laughs> and so they gathered up the, the, the 12 baskets and, and then Jesus does something unusual. The Bible says in, in 1422, it says that immediately he sent them away. The disciples. He sends his disciples out in a ship while he's dealing with the multitude. Because sometimes God knows you can't handle the people, but he can. Amen. Amen. Now, what happens when they get in that ship? A few things happen. One thing, they go in the ship and Jesus goes up in a mountain to pray. And they get in the ship and they get in the middle of a storm. Do you ever hear that saying, walk a mile in my shoes? I don't know if Jesus is trying to teach the disciples something. I don't know if he's trying to cause them to find compassion because a minute ago, they were willing to send these folks away hungry. A minute ago, they didn't realize how much those people needed Christ. But now they're in a situation where they need Jesus. A minute ago, they were willing to say, you just fend for yourself. You just do it on your own. But now they're on their own, and all they're doing isn't getting them through this storm. And so Jesus goes walking to them in the middle of that storm. How many of you have ever had him show up in the middle of your storm? Now, I want to make a reference here, and I've got to move quickly because there's another couple storms I need to get to. But when he gets to where they're at, they're scared to death of him, man. Because God doesn't always show up the way you think he ought to. He doesn't always move the way you anticipated he would move. And sometimes that takes you back. Sometimes you're not ready for that. Sometimes you're expecting God to take a bolt of lightning and deal with your people giving you trouble. And that's not what he does at all, but he extends a hand of compassion. And you're taken back by that. Sometimes you say, God, I need you right now, like Mary and Martha. I'm, he, look, man, where you been? He died four days ago. You're a little late now. But how many of you know that he's never late? So he comes walking to them. They, they're afraid, but then all of a sudden, they, in the Scripture, one of the passages say that he would have walked by them. But they called to him. You're going to have to find your voice. You're going to have to learn not to be afraid to speak out. And in the middle of your storm, cry out, Jesus, I need some help. There's nothing weak about acknowledging that you can't navigate the storm on your own. I need help. Peter looked at him and said, if that's really you out there, tell me to come on out there. And he said, well, come on. And Peter goes walking. He he leaves the boat. He leaves what he knows. He leaves a natural world 
to experience a supernatural world. I want you to hear me. If you keep looking at what you're facing instead of looking at the one that's walking on the water, it's not going to fare well for you. He stepped out of his circumstance. He stepped out of his surroundings into what he did not know. But his eyes were focused on the one that he did know. And as he walked toward him, everything's fine until he starts looking around him. If your focus goes to your storm instead of the one that can get you through your storm, you're going to sink. But even when he began to sink, all he had to do was cry out, Jesus, help me, and he did. I want you to hear this, and I want you to get this. Let me ask this question. Where was Peter when Jesus told him, O ye of little faith, why did you doubt? Where was he at? He was on the water away from all the other disciples. There's a storm raging, so I leave for your consideration. The only reason that Matthew is able to write about it is because Peter let him know about it. Jesus did not embarrass Peter in front of those other disciples. It was a personal conversation that he had with him, letting him know you don't have to be afraid of the storm you're in. You ever feel him speak that to you personally? You don't have to be afraid of the storm you're in. He gets in the boat and the storm immediately stops. Now, the next time, that, that time he went walking to them, the other time he's sailing with them. He got on the boat with them, man, and all of a sudden the storm comes. Everybody say, here comes a storm. What's the life lesson in that? It doesn't matter whether he's with you or at a distance, storms come. He's in the boat, and the storm still came. What's he doing in that boat? He's asleep. <laughs> now listen to me. I've been, how many of you have ever been on boats before? How many of you have ever been on a cruise ship before? Isn't that cruise ship wonderful? Unless you get in a storm. You get in a storm and everybody's walking around with a patch on. You get in a storm and everybody, Debbie had to have a patch on. I'm, I'm sitting there looking out the window and I'm watching these waves. Wow. And then I went up to the, the, the you know, that morning I'm thinking, how come you need a patch? Wow. What was it? Oh, she was taking, she took a pill, not a patch. It was, it's Dramamine. And I'm sitting there watching it. And then I go up the next morning up on the deck, you know, to, to exercise. And I'm on the elliptical, looking out the window. I'm going like this. And the ship's going like this. I hadn't eaten that morning. And I was about to fall apart. All of a sudden, I had something hit me instantly. Everybody say instantly. I found myself, I almost hate to tell you this, I found myself hugging a toilet, dry heaving because of the journey I was on. I thought I could handle it. I thought I was all right on my own. 
and it did me in. And I learned not to try to navigate those waves without taking something in me. How many of you know that we need Jesus? They had him in the ship. Those waves started hitting, and the Bible said that the ship's taking on water, and it's about to sink, and they finally go down and wake him up, and they say, don't you care that we're about to die? We're, we're, we're about to perish down here. And he woke up, walked out, and he said, peace be still. And it stopped. Now, I want you, sometimes we just read this stuff and we don't think about it. I want you to think about what your reaction would have been if you'd been on that boat. This, I'm, I'm telling you that a storm is raging. He says, peace be still, and it instantly stops. And he turned around and looked at them and said, why, why, didn't, why didn't you have faith? And they all looked at one another and said, what kind of man is this that even the seas, that the wind and the waves obey him? Do you understand what kind of man he is? He's the kind of individual that can still any storm you're facing, that can navigate your storm if you let him. I was a kid. I just read that passage. I was a kid. This really happened. I'm standing outside. I just started going to ch- I didn't know anything about church. And, and you know, I, 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 I heard this story about him doing that. I'm standing outside with my brother in this storm. And, man, the wind is just, I mean, trees are going like this. And I'm standing outside. And I got on my back porch. And my brother's standing there next to me. And I looked at him. And I'm, I'm, I'm talking about, you know, that, that scripture. And I, I looked at him. And I go, peace, be still. God is my witness. It stopped. I opened the door and stepped back in. Because I thought, do you understand? Sometimes we don't believe that God hears us. Sometimes we don't believe that God's with us. But he's always there to help you navigate your storm. Now, I want to end with this today. Because I thought, what? There's got to be some type of principle. There's got to be something that I can look at that gives me a, a roadmap, an understanding of how to navigate a storm. And then I, it dawned on me. I need to take a look at the storm Jesus was in. And I started looking at what happened to Jesus before, during, and after the storm. You know what the storm is, right? The storm's Calvary. And before the storm, you find Jesus praying. He went to Gethsemane. This is a real storm for him. You hear it in his voice. He looks at his disciples and he said, pray with me. My soul's exceeding sorrowful even unto death. 
He prays and he's experiencing so much anxiety that he starts to secrete blood through the sweat glands of his body. He is praying. If there's any way, let this cup pass from me. What's that tell you about him? It shows you his humanity. He's not saying, here I am, God, for whatever purpose you have. He's trying to get out of it. He's trying to be able to push it aside. Folks, there have been a lot of stuff I didn't want to go through. A lot of things. How many times have you prayed, God, take this away from me? God, just take it away from me. So we understand that part of the prayer, but the part that we forget is the part that says, not my will, but thy will be done. Because if you don't, if you don't surrender your heart and give your life to Christ and say, here I am, the things that he has prepared for you, the good in your life, the victory in your life, you may never experience it because you're not willing to endure the storm. Do you know, how many of you have got tulips growing in your yard or or somewhere? Do you understand that tulips go through a process called mineralization? I hope I got that right. And what that means is this, is that before they can bloom, they have to experience a winter. That's why tulips have to be planted in the fall. Because there's something about the winter, about that storm season, that triggers something in them to grow. (laughs) You're in the midst of a growing process. Your storm has not been sent to destroy you. Your storm has been sent to cause you to bloom and blossom. Your storm is not your end. Your storm is your beginning. And he's trying to cause us to understand before the storm, he's preparing for it. We have a tendency that when everything's going right is to kind of forget about God. What are you doing? Oh, I'm going to go fishing. Man, it's a beautiful day. Everything's going right. I got money in the bank. I learned that scripture that talks about pray without ceasing. I know it means without stopping, without interruption. And how many times do we allow circumstances to interrupt our prayer? You know, you can walk through the day and have a prayer that's uninterrupted when you learn how to focus on him. Because even when something unexpected faces you, you immediately in your spirit take it to God. So before the storm, he's praying. During the storm, he goes through the three Ps. Pain, pardon, and passion. So he's in the middle of the storm. He's hanging on the cross. And here comes the pain. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Can anybody relate to that? Do you ever go through something in your life that caused you to say, God, I can't believe you're letting this happen? God, where are you? Do you understand? You see his humanity. Because if he dies just as the son of God and not the son of David, then I've got no hope. If he taps into his divinity to be able to withstand his storm, I can't navigate mine. 
but he navigates the storm as a man. That's why he looked at Satan and said, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. What's he telling the devil? I'm going to take you down in humanity so all humanity can know that they're victorious through Christ. The pain, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The wrestling in the head. If, if, if he loved me, I wouldn't be going through this. If, if, how, how, how could this be God's plan? How, how, do you think he didn't go through that? Do you think he didn't experience that? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And after the pain came the pardon. Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. You see, Sometimes you can't forgive until you've navigated the pain of it first. You have to let the pain subside so you can find yourself at a place of pardon. You have to walk through the pain to be able to get to the forgiving part. (laughs) Everybody say, forgive them. Ooh, man. What if pain would have kept Christ from forgiving? We'd all be in a mess, wouldn't we? Because I'm persuaded that there are probably some things that I've done that have caused him pain. Pain doesn't keep him from forgiving. He navigated the pain to find the pardon. Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. And then after the pardon came the passion. This guy hanging next to him had been cursing him a few moments earlier. A lot of people forget about that. They think that one thief cursed him and the other one didn't. No, no. You read the gospel. Both of those thieves were cursing him at the beginning. But what happened is in the process of watching him navigate his storm, one of those thieves realized, this guy isn't, I I, I don't know. And it made him believe when he watched him navigate the pain and then turn that pain into pardon, he found hope. So he goes from pain to pardon to passion. And his passion caused someone lost and dying to find hope. Oh, hear what I'm telling you. You need to get past your pain. Let the pardon of God, let the forgiveness of God raise up in your life and then you'll find the passion that God called you to and called you for. He said, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He's already resolved this guy's got a kingdom. He's got a, he is who he says he is. He watched him navigate the pain. He heard the pardon, and he's just hoping that he can find it. And when he said, remember me, when you come into your kingdom, Jesus looked at him. He's passed his pain. He's exercised the pardon. And he said, today, you're going to be with me in paradise. That's how you navigate the storm. You pray before it gets there. Then in the middle of it, recognize there's going to be pain. 
But don't let the pain bring you to a place of unforgiveness. The pain moved him to pardon because they didn't know what they were doing. I mean, how many times have you seen somebody do something really stupid? How many of you have ever watched America's Funnest Home videos? You've seen people do some really stupid stuff. I saw this one guy cutting a tree. Had his truck tied to it. (laughs) Pulling it toward his truck. Cut the, had the tree leaning toward his truck and then started pulling it. I know it's on video, but I'm sitting there watching it going, what are you doing? Don't you realize what you're... <laughs> and I told my brother later he should... No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but it's just, you know, you, you ever do some stupid stuff? I've got... Okay. Those of you that know, I walked around today, and for a lot of you, I grabbed you by the left hand. It's because stupid is written all over the right hand. My, my whole palm of my hand is bruised. I, earlier this week, I, I went to get out of the bed here at the, I, we've got a living quarters here, and I went to roll out of the bed, and we have an armoire right next to the bed. So I rolled out, and I reached out to catch the armoire, but I missed the armoire. So I was still in the process of rolling out. And I reached back real quick to try and get a hold of the armoire, and it got my thumb and laid my thumb over here. And when, when I, I, and I saw where my thumb went, and immediately it took me to prayer. Oh, God. With moanings and great intercession. Oh, God. What's wrong with you? I told him, I, I think I broke my thumb. I think I broke my thumb. Oh, God. Don't let me. I think I broke this mic. Oh, oh God, don't let me. Don't let me. have broken my thumb. And I'm, all of a sudden, I'm looking at it. Do you ever get excited about your thumb wiggling a little bit? And I went, oh, praise God. <laughs> just, you know, and I realized I hadn't broke it. I just bruised it real bad. And I've been wearing a brace on it, and I thought, I am not going to wear a brace up here preaching. So if I give you the left hand of fellowship today, <laughs> you understand what's going on. It's just, and I thought, man, and, and in that moment, in my mind, I was thinking, God, I'd love to be able to reclaim those last few seconds because I would get out of bed differently. When I worked in a factory, we used to have to watch this clip called The Convincer. It was a slideshow. How many of you have ever seen that? Have you ever worked in I don't know if you saw it where you were at, but it was called The Convincer. And they had literal pictures, real-life pictures of people that had done some stupid stuff. One guy was fooling with dynamite 
and he'd, he'd fooled with it his whole life, and he did something wrong. He did the procedure wrong, and they showed a picture of an arm that was missing a hand, and it was just shredded. We had guys get up and walk out, man, that, that just, they, they had to leave, and they got to that after that, because they'd show it ever so often, they'd say, we're showing the convincer today, so if you need to leave, there was a leg that had the under part of it ripped off where it had got caught in a conveyor. So the under part of it was gone, and it was just, and when you got done watching that stuff, I thought, I don't know how I'm going to run that machine today, but I ain't getting my hands in the way of nothing. Sometimes if we're not careful, we allow what has happened to others to affect us to the degree that we're not willing to move forward. Or what has happened to us in the past to affect us in such a way that we're not willing to move forward. Someone loved you and betrayed you so you shut down your emotions so you don't have to experience the pain. You're forgetting you're also not going to experience love. Life doesn't come without storms. But there's a God that's promised to navigate you in the middle of your storm. <clears throat> so, come on up. So, here's what happened Before the storm, he's praying. During the storm, he experiences pain. He finds the strength to pardon. And then he exercises passion. And then what happens after the storm? Because I've seen people go through some storms, and after the storm was over, they were done. After the storm ended, they checked out. You know what he did after the storm? He got up. <laughs> As a matter of fact, the angel testified to it when Mary came looking for him. He said, he's not here. He's risen. <laughs> he didn't let this storm take him down. He's out and about doing his father's business. Amen. Shouldn't we do the same? Storms intensify ministry. Because after he went through that storm, he held keys and said, I have power over death, hell, and the grave. What brought that? The storm. The wages of sin is death. Sin had never been dealt with. It just kept getting pushed forward and forward and forward. Can't, you can't forgive sin with sacrifice of animals. Hebrews said it's impossible that the blood of bulls or rams would be able to forgive sin. It took a spotless lamb, the lamb of God. And he dealt with the storm and came up out of it victorious. That's what God wants to do for you in the middle of your storm. Would you stand with me right now? They get ready to sing. I want to leave this with you. There was a story of a man... He was on an African safari in the middle of a jungle. His guide went through with a machete 
and he is whacking all this tall grass and underbrush and the man is following him and man, he, I mean, he can't see anything. They're just hacking and going on and finally the guy gets frustrated and he, he looks at the guide and he said, man, he said, where are we? Do, do you know, do you know where you're taking me? Where's the path? He's just hot, frustrated, tired. Where are we? Do you know where you're taking me? Where's the path? And the seasoned guide turned around and looked at the man with that machete in his hand, and he said, I am the path. Oh, you may not know where you're at. You may not understand where you're headed. But you can rest assured that your guide knows the way because he is the way the truth and the life and he'll get you out of any situation he can see you through the jungle of your storm and bring you out victorious on the other side come on and somebody give my hand clap of praise in this house are you ready to let him give you the direction you need. If you'll endure the pain, find the grace to pardon, you'll find the passion that he's put in your heart to minister to others, and you'll rise up to do it. I'm going to ask you if you would just to take someone by the hand. We're going to pray together in just a moment. If you're here and you've got a special need, I want to invite you to come to the front of the building. We'll have a prayer partner meet with you and they'll pray with you. I want to share one more story and I'm going to let you go, I promise. A young boy was lost in the city of London police officer approached him when the police officer approached the little boy the boy's wailing and crying and he said he, he said son he said what's wrong he said i'm lost he said well what's your what, what your your father what, what's what's your phone number your 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 home phone number and he just got frantic and he said i don't know what it is he said well what about where your father works where does your father works and the boy will begin to wail he said i don't know i don't know where my father works well where do you live at and the boy just loses it and he starts crying he said i don't know i don't know i don't know where i live i don't know my address i don't know and he's he's just beside himself and then all of a sudden he got quiet in london in the heart of the city, there is what they call the, I believe it's pronounced the Karen Cross. And from that location, everything was built out from that geographically. It's centered around that cross. And the little boy stopped crying and he looked up at the officer and he said, Sir, if you can get me to the cross, I can find my way home from there. If you can get me to the cross. That's what we were trying to do last week. Which just get people to the cross. Because sometimes we just go through the motions. Sometimes we're just going to church and we don't know where we're at. We're just coming in on Sundays and we don't know where we're going. 
But he's saying, whoever will come to me, whosoever will, let him come to me. What's he promised? He said, I'm going to give you strength. I'm going to lift your heavy load. and I'll get you exactly where you need to be because I'll never leave you or forsake you, but I'll go with you to the end. That means that he's there in the middle of your storm. Would you stretch your hands to heaven with me right now? I wonder if you pray this prayer with me today. God, sometimes I don't know where I'm at. And I don't know what direction to take. The storm is so fierce. I can't find my way. But today, from this moment forward, I choose to quit focusing on my storm. And I'm going to focus on you. I know that you're going to get me through the pain. I know that you'll cause me to be able to find the strength to pardon, to forgive. And I know that this heart that has felt dead is going to feel your passion one more time as I rise up to accomplish what you called me to do in Jesus' name. Come on, give me a hand clap of praise in this house today. So this is what I want you to do. I want you to walk out of here today, and I want you to find just one. Everybody say just one. Just one. And bring them next week. Just, just one. You don't have to bring a dozen. If you show up with a dozen, we won't turn you away. But just one. Just, just get one. So I want you to think about who is it. You may have to promise somebody. Leon, you may have to promise someone a catfish dinner. But bring them. Get them here. Because in doing that... You may in a very real way, and I promise you, I'm going to get a different mic or I'm going to fix this one. You may in a very real way, everybody said, come in. Okay. You may in a very real, real way end up being the cause of somebody making heaven their home. <laughs> Thank you, Karen. Apparently, the praise and worship team was not in here when I announced the golf tournament. <laughs> Everybody say, he already announced it. But thank you. It's a reminder. See me after service if you want to be in the golf tournament. Turn around, look at your neighbor and say, I'm glad you're here. And together, we're going to make it through the storm. Come on, give me a hand clap. God bless you today.